0: ladies and gentlemen fellas 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 welcome back to the channel and the podcast today we are going down through my top 25 overall rankings now what does this mean it means every single position in one so you're going to see running backs wide receivers You're probably not going to see quarterbacks and you're probably not going to see tight ends, but you might say if the stick to the end, it's going to be right on the borderline of where I start to rank some tight ends, those elite, the mega elites of Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and a little bit later on Mark Andrews, but top 25 right now, again, I have a top 50 or top 150 overall. That's on the draft kit. I have my individual rankings for each position. That's on the draft kit. It's about 70 running backs. 100 wide receivers, I want to say somewhere around like 50 tight ends and same thing for quarterbacks, like 40 quarterbacks. That is for both PPR and non-PPR right now. So you can check that out if you are interested at the Supreme Draft Guide. All the information on that and how to get it currently at 66% off a limited time offer is linked in the description below. But welcome. My name is Sal Vetri. cover fantasy sports in a variety of different areas. But the head honcho right here, the 1A1B with golf is the NFL. And the NFL season is vastly and very quickly approaching. By the time I'm recording this and scheduling it out, there should be about a month or so until the season starts. So I thought it'd be a good time to kind of settle back in, see where I'm at overall, those top 25 rankings, depending on how many people in your league. If you're in a standard league, which is around 12 teams, it'll be about the first two rounds of the draft. If you're in a if you're just in a 10 team league, it'll be about the first two to two and a half rounds of the draft, right? Kind of gives you a good idea of where I'm ranking things earlier. What you're going to get to see engage from this overall is oh damn, Sal just has no interest in so and so based on where he's ranking him because his ADP is going to go way higher than that. Or Sal is pretty bullish, meaning he's very bold and he's actually pretty confident in this player because he's he's ranking him pretty farly ahead of or maybe only like three or four spots. But that usually means that he's going to be getting him before the consensus and before the market does. So I think these videos are pretty fun to do and look over. It kind of is a nice breakup and refreshing option from the videos that I think are very informative, right? All your must own uh, rookie running backs must own just running backs in general sleeper type plays, right? All that is very informative. And I think it helps us build a very strong draft strategy going in. But this type of stuff analyzing rankings for value, I think is very important as well. And at any point during the video, if you have something that you want to say if you if you're higher on somebody, if you're kind of questioning why and I don't explain uh, well enough in this video why I'm higher on somebody just let me know in the comments down below I'm happy to answer all those try and get to the, as many comments as I can so you can follow me on Twitter as well at salvage dfs and at me over there if you want to uh, as well so appreciate y'all being here hit that like button before we get into it big old subscribe button pops up on the screen I really do appreciate all the support we are crushing through in subscribers right now uh, this NFL season is definitely helping and if you enjoy these videos at all just take a second of your time totally free hitting the subscribe button and notification bell that actually does help it reach more people. So just by doing that, it allows it to reach probably just each person 10 to 20 more people It's what YouTube algorithm does when you subscribe within the video. So I do greatly appreciate that. But let's get into it. We'll start with the first five names on this list and we'll work down from there. All these five guys have something in common. They're all running backs. And if you've been watching my content, you know that I value running backs pretty highly. Now, if you're playing in a different type of scoring format, these are obviously not going to uh, be the same type of rankings, right? These are PPR and non PPR for standard league scoring, right? Uh, PPR one point per reception, you're going to be getting six points per touchdown point one. yards per yards, those types of things. If you're playing in a league where wide receivers are getting two points per reception, then obviously those guys are going to be ranked higher, but this is just going to be standard based. So I'm very high and very bullish on running backs. And what these top five running backs all have in common is they're all pretty much workhorse running backs in their offense and have pass catching ability and upside, especially the first four guys that you're going to see here. So pretty standard for me, my first four, I think is similar to a lot of people. Now I know there's some people out there that want to be ranking Alvin Kamara second or third based on the fact that he dealt with a bum ankle for a month last year, and it probably lingered for half the season, but we could say the exact same thing about Saquon Barkley. For me, in terms of the tiers of how I have this 150, Saquon, McCaffrey, and Ezekiel Elliott are in a tier of their own. Uh, now, I'm pretty tempted to put Zeke into tier two just with Alvin Kamara. Um, I'm kind of on the borderline of doing that, but what I'm pretty much trying to say there is that Saquon and Christian McCaffrey, for me, heading into this year, are very similar running backs, and I don't think the gap is that far off. Now, yes, Christian McCaffrey touched the ball 403 times last year, but to expect Christian McCaffrey to touch the ball 400 plus times again this year, one, we would have to expect the Panthers defense to be bad. It probably will be and them to be trailing in games and yeah, they probably will be so that helps but two we would have to expect him to be a mega durable which he has been his whole year but the more and more you take wear and tear on that body like similar to Ezekiel Elliott these guys have not been injured yet but it is going to happen he plays a very fragile position as a smaller running back and yes it's been almost maybe not a miracle that he hasn't been hurt yet there's ways that you can prevent injury but 403 touches is going to cause him I would say at some point either this year or next year if he takes on that type of a workload to miss some games it's just exactly what happens when you take that type of a beating. But yeah, what you're getting from him is just number ones in snaps, targets, goal line carries, receptions, all that stuff last year. He was obviously the best player in fantasy football up there with Lamar Jackson. And it's by no means a slight to say that I think Saquon is very close or a lot closer than people expect. Now, I still have McCaffrey one overall, but the reason Saquon is two overall is he also missed a month of the season last year with a bung ankle. That lingered for the second half of the season, probably, but he actually started to produce the exact same way that he did in his rookie year towards the end of the season when he was starting to get healthier. Now what you're giving Saquon is a new offensive line. That should help. Fourth overall pick got some offensive linemen as well in free agency and all they did in the draft was just pile on three offensive linemen we're betting a little bit here on the fact that daniel jones will take a step forward in his second year hopefully not fumble as much so the game scripts are fine but even if he does fumble more it should help saquon in the receiving department so saquon just being healthy now right Uh, having about a month to a month and a half of the season lingering with an injury and just missing games last year is obviously a huge impact so we're just taking and betting on the fact that they drafted three offensive linemen the fact that he was still able to produce in 2019 over a thousand yards rushing and catch 50 two passes while missing a month of the season still be one of the top running backs in the NFL and I expect that to continue so those are my top two and number three is just say uh, what you're going to get from Zeke Uh, back-to-back years now if you take the two seasons he's been number one in red zone touches he was number one last year with 4.2 per game just an absolute monster 300 carries on the ground I mean we talk about like Christian McCaffrey having 403 touches that's insane but the fact that Ezekiel Elliott has been so durable and had 355 touches last year quietly had 54 receptions right a guy who popped off for receptions two years back but last year didn't have as many but still had 54 anything above 50 is going to get into that elite territory especially if you're getting good usage on the ground which is Elliott is. the offensive line they lose Travix Frederick the center who retires but they end up getting a very strong offensive lineman out of Wisconsin kind of a steal I believe later in the draft third or fourth round pick and now you're going to have just this bulletproof offense that a guy who led the league in red zone touches last year is probably going to be there again C.D. Lamb coming out of the slot Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper on the outsides and I still think the hands are fine. Now, Ezekiel Elliott's body is a little bit built more up to be beaten, but there's no doubt about it that I'm not going to say that McCaffrey taking on 403 touches last year and getting all these touches and is is not getting hurt. Uh, there's no doubt about it that Ezekiel Elliott has been a running good in terms of not being ultra injured or, or really missing any time. So that is also a concern. Now, how do you account for that? I, I don't really think that you can. I'm not going to be ranking Ezekiel Elliott seventh this year and saying, I hope he doesn't get hurt, right? It's just at least something to keep in the back of your mind when you're taking guys around this, that these guys are literally taking three, 350 to 400 touches last year and and really in their career for Zeke 300 plus touch seasons and he's just taking the beatings and it's been fine for him part of that is because the offensive line allows him to get a lot of yards before contact part of that is just the way that his body is built and he runs lower to the ground so Zeke Elliott is number three for me and Kamara will be number four Alvin Kamara is number four and he had a bum ankle last year right you have the Saquon Barkley's the Alvin Kamara's guys who had bum ankles and that's obviously just going to linger for your probably entire season he was dealing with major touchdown regression until the final like month of the season where he just piled on touchdowns right he only had one game with touchdowns. He had two touchdowns in that game. I think it was week three of last year. And then he went until the final, like three weeks of the season without scoring any touchdowns. And I think he scored like four in three weeks. So he kind of got back to where he needed to last year in that department scoring six overall touchdowns. Funny thing about Alvin Kamara is fun fact, three straight seasons with 81 receptions for me and 97 targets last year, three straight with 81 receptions. So if you factor in that, he doesn't miss a couple of those games. He's probably pushing upwards of 90 to 92 receptions last year. He's running behind a good offensive lineman that although they kind of cut one of their offensive linemen, They drafted another one in the NFL draft early on. So you're getting a good running back here with versatility who should be pushing upwards of 110 targets in this offense or close to it. At least over 100 is what my projections right now say about 105 for about 87 receptions. And that's just only part of the puzzle. He saw his highest snap percentage last year with no Mark Ingram. Latavius Murray did come in and kind of play the Mark Ingram role, but to a lesser extent when Alvin Kamara was healthy Latavius Murray was only touching the ball about six and a half times per game now obviously when Kamara missed those games Murray was touching it like 30 times in those two games but when Mark Ingram was there Mark Ingram was seeing 10 to 12 to sometimes 15 touches in a game so you saw Kamara's overall touches go up in games when he was healthy compared to when he was with Mark Ingram in the past and also his snap percentage so you're getting closer to this workhorse back in Alvin Kamara and I mean if you look at it last year factoring interceptions he had 252 touches while missing two games you factor that out across a six game season. He's going to be getting you closer to around a 275 touch season. And that's very good for how elusive he is and especially how dominant he is in the passing game. And just how consistent he has been in the passing game, you factor in the offensive line, Drew Brees, this offense in general, how it flows through Michael Thomas and Kamara. That's why I have him ranked fourth ahead of the next couple of guys we're going to talk about, one of them being Joe Mixon. So these top four guys are sort of the mega elites in running back. If you have a top four pick, I feel pretty strongly about Kenny McCaffrey, Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, or Alvin Kamara. I'd feel fine about any of those guys. And you could debate that you want Kamara third and Zeke fourth. And that's fine for me I just I like the overall offense of Dallas and I can see Ezekiel Elliott which he has not yet really had pop off for a massive season of like 20 touchdowns right and it's i mean it's hard to do that in general he had 14 last year but the amount of red zone touches he's going to get like his 14 touchdowns i don't know if regression is due on those right it's 14 total touchdowns you could tell me that he's going to score uh, nine or 10 rushing touchdowns and four receiving touchdowns and i'd say yeah that makes sense based on how often this team is probably going to be in the red zone so i unleashed a couple more guys in the rankings and you're going to see that number five right now for me is joe mixon i have him ahead of dalvin cook as i record this there are concerns about dalvin cook holding out there are also slightly concerns about alvin kamar and joe mixon that just haven't been talked about as much i assume based on his skill set and how much he means to the team, Kamara would get paid and probably paid the most. I assume based on how much he's probably going to ask for, if they're very, if they're similar to what Derrick Henry did and didn't ask for top dollar and just said, I understand my role on this team and I understand what my value is in the market. I'll just take the fifth highest paid salary in the league is what Derrick Henry did. If Joe Mixon is doing that, and it sounds like he is based on how quiet he's being with the team and maybe working with them, an organization in Cincinnati that usually doesn't pay their uh, players top dollar, just hence hence look at AJ Green, hence hence look at all the quarterbacks that they've had in the past that they've let go, any half decent ones. I mean, they literally made, Carson Palmer wants to retire and he did retire for a little sprint there. So yeah, I think that Joe Mixon right now. Perfect, perfect combination of just his ability to generate yards on his own. He was number one in evaded tackles last year and also the ability to actually pick up receptions. Now Giovanni Bernard's behind him, Trevion Williams, but these guys are just most for the most part unproven. Rodney Anderson, Trevion Williams, unproven guys behind him. And Giovanni Bernard has been one of the worst yards created backs in the league and least efficient running backs in the league. This is not the Giovanni Bernard from his rookie year when he was actually looking decent out there. No, this Giovanni Bernard is hashtag not good but Joe Mixon is out there looking very good. I mean, Joe Mixon, you're looking at last year, what he was able to do. He was able to produce a 300-touch season, and I like that out of Joe Mixon, and he was able to be number one in evaded tackles and be productive, especially down the stretch in a season where he was running behind the second worst offensive line. Now, the issue, they're going to get Jonah Williams back on the offensive line, big piece for them, but the issue is this offensive line still sucks. Uh, The positive would be that they don't trail as much in games because the defense slightly improves, but also that Joe Burrow is there. We'll see with no off season if that's going to help. Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, some rookies coming into this offense, AJ Green coming back. If the offense over overall is going to be better. It means that Joe Mixon, somebody who was already able to produce innovative uh, tackles and his own yards created. And really, that's all he's done since coming into the league. Now, maybe you throw in a little bit more touchdowns than he's seen in the past in red zone opportunities. And it makes Joe Mixon a pretty strong play. Number six for me is Dalvin Cook. If there's an extension before the season starts, and I'm expecting this to happen, then I'll just flip flop back Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon. Uh, you could even put Dalvin Cook ahead of Kamara if you really wanted to argue about it. But uh, right now, Dalvin Cook six for me. Look, last year, he's just an absolute beast. Misses the final few games of the season with that injury. He's currently in a holdout period where you can go back and watch my Dalvin Cook holdout video. I don't think he has much leverage. You can argue and say, yes, he does. He just does to show up for camp and then he gets to accrue his season for next year. That's fine. I think that that's a pretty sound argument, but when it actually comes down to it, the amount of money that he's going to miss since he was a second round pick and not a first round pick is actually a lot. It would be like his whole entire season in fines. And then you're just kind of losing a, a year of pay just so that you can hold out and hopefully get paid next year, which they probably not going to do since you're a year older, right? So this becomes very messy for him at that point, not as much leverage or really any out there. I would say is like very small leverage. And that leverage kind of comes down to just not getting paid this year because of your fines. But you saw what he did last year. He had over a three inch touch season in just 14 games, took a huge step forward in the passing game. This is what we wanted to see out of Dalvin Cook. Can he be independent, right? So when we're ranking him next to these other guys, I think that all the other guys above him outside of Joe Mixon, and we already talked about why Joe Mixon ahead of him because of the holdout, but those other four mega elites, I think they have better pass catching roles and or red zone roles, right? I think Dalvin Cook is very close to Ezekiel Elliott. But when you want to compare the two of them, you compare the injuries in a major way at that point. I don't Really like looking at injuries, but when you're comparing close calls, right? Dalvin Cook, a guy who's going to get a lot of red zone touches. Dalvin Cook, who popped off for a 50 plus reception season, very similar to what you saw at Zeke last year, except I would say Zeke's in one, a better offense and a more stable offense behind a better offensive line for sure. Um, you could see that this, this Minnesota offensive line has been bad, but Dalvin Cook's been able to succeed. So is Kirk Cousins behind it. So that's one, but two, Zeke's just been so durable. So that's why Dalvin Cook's down here below Zeke, below Kamara. It's just not as stable when it comes to health, not as stable about his whole contract situation, and not as stable of an offensive line. But if he continues to take this step forward in the passing game and be able to put up 50 to 60 reception seasons, yeah, he's going to cement himself as a top five running back in the league. And I think he's already right there. And finally, as we round up the top seven, Michael Thomas, so the first receiver goes off the board here, I don't even want to really be taking uh, Michael Thomas at this point either, to be honest with you. But it's just a sure thing at this point, Drew Brees, is there going to be a cliff or a wall for him? There's an argument for that. But based on how short he's throwing these passes to Michael Thomas, based on how good Michael Thomas can be after the catch, yeah, it's just going to be your first wide receiver off the board. He's my wide receiver one, He's my only wide receiver right now in the top 10, which is a little bit of a spoiler alert. The rest are running backs. So nine running backs to just one receiver. So it kind of goes to show how much I actually do value Michael Thomas compared to the rest of the wide receivers. But that being said, I'm probably not going to get him as much. I know people are taking Michael Thomas third overall. I know a lot of people are taking him in the top five, definitely the top six. So normally when it comes to seventh, he's not there. And usually if he's there at seventh, I still might even take like a Miles Sanders or a Derrick Henry over him. So I have him seventh overall because more times than not, that's where I want to be taking him. But it really does depend on the league and what my league mates are trying to do and what i know they're trying to do in that draft next up are the next seven fellas on the board be sure to hit that like button for me one time and the big old subscribe button that pops up it really does help if you want to get access to this full top 50 in these rankings going to be constantly updated all the rankings will be updated all the information and tiers will be constantly updated you can check that out in the supreme draft guide down below not only is it just a top 150 but it's rankings for every position it's tiers for every position very helpful in your drafts Uh, it's going to be key stats key player profiles all the type of stuff databases so check it all out if you are indeed interested down below limited time offer 66% off. Now what you get is eighth overall is going to be another running back. So is ninth. So is 10. So three running backs in a row here. Look, Derek Henry for me is a guy that I can't really figure out. I'm not trying to draft him. I have very little Derrick Henry. Uh, look, it's it's the fact that yes, he led the league in attempts last year, two more than Zeke with 303 on the ground. He led the league in rushing yards last year with 1539. But he lost Jack Conklin, a pretty big piece of that offensive line. And they did replace it with a first round pick. But you had a guy who scored 18 touchdowns last year only on a 5.6% rate. So it's not like he's due to guess based off of efficiency he just had so much volume. But I want to bank on this year that overall, this Tennessee defense outperformed itself last year. I think they're naturally just going to regress this year. I want to bank on the fact that in general, if they're going to regress, teams figure out Derrick Henry a little bit and they force Ryan Tannehill to beat them. So I'm personally betting on AJ Brown, on Ryan Tannehill, on John Smith in the passing game of this offense, because they've done this for two years in a row now. Derrick Henry has kept up an efficiency standpoint of being in yards created standpoint in the top two, uh, leading it last year, second the year before. And that's just something that's so hard to do. And it speaks to the big dog, Derrick Henry himself. He he's an absolute monster and a beast. And in non-PPR formats, he's going to be a higher ranked player for me. I think in my top 150 non-PPR or my rankings, he's like two spots higher. But when it comes to PPR formats, it's just so hard to trust the guy. Now he has increased his receptions in each of his past three years in the league, but it's gone up by like two. So if you're okay taking 20 receptions from Derrick Henry this year, I mean, maybe you just sign yourself up for that and hope that it doesn't regress down to like 14 or 15, but I'm not as confident in that number. So I do think there's a little bit of regression coming in. I mean, being the leading player in yards created and, and, and carries on the ground and overall yards on the ground, you're probably just going to regress. Being number two in touchdowns with 18, you're probably just going to regress. So when all that's factored in, when I'm betting on the passing game a little bit more, when I'm betting on the defense getting a little bit worse, meaning that you're probably not going to be leading or have as much game script opportunity and positive game script or neutral game script for Derrick Henry, it makes him a little bit worse of a play. Now he's obviously a top eight pick for me and pretty much a staple top tens pick still for me, but it's hard for me to get him in my top five or top six running backs just because of one, the passing game role and two, some areas of regression that are probably coming for him. And I'm betting on that passing game more. Now, this might be a spot for debate Nick Chubb versus Miles Sanders, and maybe something that I want to get in your opinion. Nick Chubb, a stable horse, which obviously has Kareem Hunt behind him, but a new offensive coordinator and Stefanski there, maybe some two tight end sets coming in, an improved offensive line for sure, getting Jedrick Willis in the draft, getting Jack Conklin from Derrick Henry, who we just talked about. So that's all set up to be very nice. You had this guy have 298 carries last year, which is five off of being the leading rusher, third behind Zeke and Derrick Henry. He did catch 36 passes, but a lot of it started to go downhill last year when you ended up seeing Kareem Hunt step in in the receiving department and overall fantasy points per game for the second half of the season. Nick Chubb ranked as the 25th overall back because of Kareem Hunt coming in and taking his receptions and taking some of his rushes away and also just a little bit of the touchdowns. And then you have Miles Sanders in here, who's maybe the hype beast of them all, right? He's the Aaron Jones of last year, although Aaron Jones never really hyped up this much to being like a top 10 pick and going like sixth overall. I have Sanders as 10th overall top 10 pick. And I think there is a debate for Miles Sanders versus Nick Chubb. Look, I have Nick Chubb slightly ahead right now. It's mainly because of the fact that I think that Nick Chubb can still see 300 touches on the ground alone in this offense. And last year, you saw him get a lot of red zone touches and just not get in the end zone. If Nick Chubb sees as many red zone and as much green zone inside the 10 yard line touches as he did last year, he's going to score probably two to three more touchdowns. He had eight touchdowns last year. That's a fine number, but based on the amount of red zone touches that he had top five in the league and other running backs who had that top five or top eight number, he should have probably had another three or four touchdowns. He was the least uh, likely in terms of percentages, or he had the lowest percentage of overall touchdown conversions inside the 10 yard line. And it was by a wide margin. So due to regress there for sure. I mean, I think in one game, he had four carries from the one yard line and he ended up getting stuffed on all of them so uh, that just speaks to the offensive lines push in general on that offensive line at the goal line so miles sanders being the guy who gets hyped up right now i have him at 10th overall i think he's going to catch a lot more passes this year since he's going to play the more than 50 percent of the snaps no jordan howard he averaged 19.6 touches per game down the stretch when there was no jordan howard that's my top 10 right now and then you get to start to see some of these uh second tier running backs kind of for me maybe even third tier running backs right um and then you get to see some of these top tier wide receivers that are just behind michael thomas Devontae adams i think he's a first round pick in 12 team formats but I think he's a late first round pick Julio Jones 11th and 12th so I have Adams ahead of Julio because I think Adams target share is going to be insane Adams when he has played in the last three years of games is number one ahead of DeAndre Hopkins in red zone targets and red zone touchdowns I think that only goes up this year and Alan Lazard is their wide receiver two and Devin Funches as the wide receiver three who is basically a tight end in, in his past years so I do think that the man who led the league in red zone percentage last year in Devontae Adams is going to continue to the man who has two 997 yard seasons and injured seasons only one 1,000 yard season, but two 997 yard seasons and has been getting left off of a lot of these top five and top 10 wide receiver lists. Just absolute blasphemy to channel inner Stephen A. Smith there. He's my wide receiver two, Julio Jones wide receiver three, going to be approaching maybe his final year of not peakness. I think he's already past his peak and his prime, but his final year, of very productive years of being able to be like a 1300, 1400 yard receiver like he was last year, just finishing six yards short of 1400 yards, being number two in targets team through the most in the league right up there with uh, the Buccaneers. I think Ty, exactly for most attempts per game so this is a situation where yeah I I do like these two guys it's just I'm probably getting a running back before them and then they probably go before my second round pick 13th and 14th is another two running backs that are kind of interesting for me to debate I can kind of debate between all these guys right like who do I want I kind of feel good about the guys in my top 10 at running back but then who do I want when I come back around for my second pick let's say I'm picking 10th and I get Miles Sanders now I'm picking 13th do I want Josh Jacobs? Do I want Kenny and Drake? Do I want Austin Eckler from trying to go back to back running backs here? It's a little bit difficult. As of right now, I have it ranked Josh Jacobs ahead of Kenyon Drake and Austin Eckler, mainly because of the pedigree that you saw in his first year. I just think that he's a borderline shoo-in now to see at least on the ground alone, if he plays 16 games, a 300 touch season. In 13 games last year, playing injured for the final two or three, he saw 242 carries on the ground and he did catch 20 passes. So he's on pace to catch around 25 passes. Not terrible for a guy who has no pass catching upside, but when you factor in, if he would have played three more games last year, he's definitely probably a approaching that 300 plus touch season as a rookie. And I think that we can bank on that based on previous seasons of rookie running backs coming in and getting heavy workloads, being a consistent rusher, being the number one rookie rusher last year, top eight in the NFL in yards created and evaded tackles. I don't think they're just going to go away from him, right? I know that there's talk Jalen Rashard signed a deal. That is a concern. They got Lim Bowden in the draft. That is a concern. But I still think that this man on the ground can see 300 touches alone. And if he catches 25 to 35 balls in the air, it's going to be a good season for Josh Jacobs. Whereas there are some question marks with guys like Kenny and Drake and Austin Eckler. I mean, uh, Kenny and Drake, you can see fourteenth overall. There's some concerns there because look, he's done it for what? six weeks last year, and he only had like two or three big weeks where he actually popped off. And he actually wasn't as efficient as a receiver as people expect him to. The reason that we like Kenyon Drake is there is upside for 350 touches, right? There is upside that Kenyon Drake catches 70 or 80 balls and has 250 to 260 touches on the ground. Like that's upside is there the Alvin Kamara type role in this offense is there for Kenyon Drake. The issue is we've seen guys like Alvin Kamara do it for three years. Now we've seen Kenyon Drake not do it at all. Although he was in Miami under Adam Gase, maybe that factors in, but we saw him do it for a month of the season last year. And really, just like I said, two or three sporadic weeks where he really popped off and he looked very good in those weeks. But there is a little bit of a concern. That's the only reason why Kenyon Drake goes a little bit below Josh Jacobs. I think there's more stability in Josh Jacobs role. I think there's at least overall, a little bit more goal line opportunities as well. But Drake can make up for that pretty easily with the reception. So that's why he's going to be where he is right now. They're kind of neck and neck. Then you get two more wide receivers, my wide receiver four overall in Tyreek Hill. I just fixed the uh, overall uh, positional rankings. If you're watching the video, it was a little bit messed up. And then Kenny Galladay at 16th overall, my wide receiver five. I like both of these guys. Matthew Stafford for the first eight weeks last year. I think Dan or- Orlovsky just tweeted this um, you ended up seeing him being the number one quarterback in the league last year through the first eight weeks. Number one, he was the number one player. who's number two fantasy scorer only behind Lamar Jackson, but overall quarterback play was number one in the league. And Kenny Galladay was benefiting, but he didn't take a huge dip down when he had to play with guys like David Plow and Jeff Driscoll, right? Jeff Driscoll's best attribute was actually being able to run the ball for like 12 yards on a play, right? So when you're talking about Kenny Galladay still being able to finish where he did a top six, top seven wide receiver last year, even having half of a season with terrible quarterback play, it just speaks to how good of a guy this is with jump ball performance. Percentage with getting separation overall, having a 1200 yard season and 11 touchdowns, 116 targets, eight games with those terrible quarterbacks. Yeah. This is a guy who I think is going to take another step forward and kind of cement himself as a top five fantasy wide receiver. That's where I currently have him at as my wide receiver five. So you can see the run of running backs now starts to begin here. It starts out with Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, uh, Austin Eckler, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, Eckler, my RB twelve. Todd Gurley, 13, Leonard Fournette, 14. So I continue to move these guys up my board. Now to start the year, Leonard Fournette was like 16 or 17. Todd Gurley was like 15 or 16. Eckler is actually like nine or 10. The reason I'm moving back Eckler is they drafted Joshua Kelly. And now there's going to be this battle between Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson, the man who has been there and has been pretty productive when he actually gets touches. Joshua Kelly was from, out of UCLA and was very good there. In, in general, I think he fits this offense coming out a little bit bigger than what Justin Jackson is size-wise. One of these guys might be Melvin Gordon. And if that's the case, Austin Eckler, who's been just in, in, in line for regression, not only just in volume, right? You lose Philip Rivers, historically one of the most check down quarterbacks with Drew Brees. So maybe now you're not going to be second only behind Christian McCaffrey in receptions, targets and receiving yards for running backs. But maybe now you drop down to like fifth or sixth. That's going to be a huge blow for Austin Eckler. And what happens if he just doesn't pick up the overall volume in the rushing game that people are expecting him to? What happens if he's not carrying the ball 15 or 16 or 17 times a game and only carries the ball eight to 10 times a game and then he gets his four or five receptions or maybe only three or four receptions with the mobile Tyrod Taylor uh, running the ball and really throwing the ball for this offense and not checking it down as much. That becomes a concern. And also when you're number one in yards created per touch last year and you're number one in a lot of these overall efficiency metrics, that's going to be a little bit of an issue. I believe he was number one in yards per touch over overall. And that number is just going to have to go down after the next year. Even if it drops to only seventh overall, it's still a good number, but that's going to be major regression. So I don't buy it that Austin Eckler is going to be a workhorse back the whole season for these guys, especially since they drafted Joshua Kelly. I think that this could be a guy who sees his 14 touches per game, but not his 18 to 20. 12 to 14 touches per game out of Austin Eckler is still very good if you're efficient, but it's hard to at least bank on that over guys below him and even right above him who might be seeing 18 to 22 touches per game. And that's where Todd Gurley and Leonard Fournette, who come in after him, start to creep up. Like they've already been creeping up my rankings, my overall rankings, and I want to continue to creep them up. I don't know if I'll get them over Eckler, but this is a situation where I get it. These guys are older. They're 26 years old. Although that's kind of the tipping point, right? 28 is kind of now you're getting dusty. 26 is like, okay, this is like probably your final really good productive year based unless you can just get a ton of touchdowns in the NFL for fantasy purposes. Todd Gurley has nobody behind him in his backfield, literally nobody behind him. He's still 26 and the injury concerns that everybody wants to yell about, they, didn't, they did not come out last year. He was sixth overall in snap percentage. He played behind the dead last ranked offensive line last year. So played behind a terrible offensive line so that probably impacted his overall numbers did not get as many touches in the receiving game for whatever reason that is and he played the six most snaps amongst any running back in the league he was healthy he played all 16 games he obviously spiked for touchdowns because the rams give their running backs touchdowns or, or opportunities in the red zone we only have 31 receptions last year if that number comes up in this past half heavy offensive atlanta that's going to be in the red zone a lot yeah todd Gurley is no doubt in my mind if he plays 16 games going to see three hundred plus touches on a one-year contract it's just a little bit confusing to me that people keep still pointing to this knee injury this arthritis and Knee, which it sounds very scary and it should be, but it didn't show up at all last year. Like in 16 games, it didn't show up. He still got his touches. Leonard Fournette, I get it. Contract year. They didn't pick up his 50 year extension. He's not going to be with this team anymore. Okay, so why should I be worried about that for this specific year? Who's behind him? Raikou Armstar, who barely got any touches last year, and they bring in Chris Thompson. I'm supposed to be scared of Chris Thompson. LaVisca Chenault, I hear, is now going to be a running back all of a sudden for the people who want to make cases against Leonard Fournette. Sure, LaVisca Chenault might see one or two carries a game as a wildcat type of a player or whatever they're going to do. How is that going to impact? in a dramatic way, Leonard Fournette. So Leonard Fournette second in the league last year in routes run, uh, overall snaps, like this is not going to be a guy who I think just falls off the face of the earth. I don't know if he catches as many balls as he did last year, but he's surely not going to see this insanely dramatic hit to his overall receptions in routes run. He literally went to a deserted island last year at the train to improve his overall physique and his overall endurance and ability and speed. And number two, to improve his pass catching game role. So the guy who goes to a deserted island to improve his pass catching game role to be more versatile. And then he comes out and does exactly that running 483 routes only behind Christian McCaffrey and seeing 100 targets. So even if the targets drop to 75, this is a guy who only scored three touchdowns last year on 265 carries. That is surely going to change. So he's a top 20 overall play for me, my RB 14. The rest of my ranks are on the board right now. It goes from 20 to 25, Allen Robinson, a guy who I'm very high on my wide receiver six, a guy who was fantastic last year, especially to start the season off a 30% red zone target share, and probably at least an improved quarterback play. As long as Nick Foles takes over there Contested catch artist, never had a good quarterback from college with Christian Hackenberg to the NFL with Blake Borders and Mitch Nick Foles crazy that he's going to be this guy's best quarterback and that just speaks to the pedigree and the talent and the underappreciation that we have for how good Allen Robinson actually is Chris Goblin's my wide receiver seven and I continue to want to move him down um, depending on if Antonio Brown signs there but look you have Rob Gronkowski who with Tom Brady is going to get a lot of red zone usage a lot of middle of the field usage they want to go more two tight end sets which means Chris Goblin moves to the outside which when he was at Penn State he was fine on the outside but Mike Evans is definitely the better outside receiver and if he's going to be targeted more by Tom Brady that just hurts over Overall Chris Galvin, So I bump him down a little bit. It's nothing dramatic, but he's now my wide receiver seven instead of a lot of people having him as like their four or five or six. You get a couple running backs here to close it out with Aaron Jones and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 22nd overall Jones, 24th overall Edwards-Hilaire. I actually had Edwards-Hilaire as my, as my like RB14 ahead of Aaron Jones, Todd Gurley, and Leonard Fournette for a while, but now it's just a touch issue for me. He was taken in the first round, so that's good. So he should probably see around 180 to 200 touches I would imagine this year, but having no rookie minicamp in all season could impact that a little bit. Even if it impacts it by only one touch a game, it 16 touches are going to be very important. And we just got dropped from the best system you could have been in last year in LSU to the best system you could be in the NFL with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid Chiefs offense, where running backs scored 1.7 touchdowns per game in this offense. So he's still going to be somebody that I want to be owning. That's why he's a top 25 pick for me. That's why if you're picking at the end of the second round and say you draft yourself a Christian McCaffrey to start off your draft, and then you can go ahead and get Clyde edwards to I don't hate that move. The issue is he's being taken a lot earlier in the second round, and I just never get him. And yeah, there's a man here in DeAndre Hopkins, my 23rd overall player, my wide receiver eight. I'm lower on DeAndre. Hopkins. He's switching teams during a pandemic. That's an issue. He sees 150 targets a year when he's with the Texans and his stable quarterback the guy he has chemistry with in Deshaun Watson. Now you're going to an offense that doesn't threaten the ball downfield as much, although Murray does throw a good deep ball and a decent deep ball. He improved throughout the end of the season. But they also go three wide and four wide receiver sets a lot. And that usually means you spread the ball out. Christian Kirk. Larry Fitzgerald, maybe Andy Isabella this year, right? They have some tight end playing Dan Arnold there now. I'm not going to really hype him up. Kenyon Drake out of the backfield if he sees the receptions that a lot of people are expecting him to see. So if you go from DeAndre Hopkins being a red zone beast and darling in 150 to 170 target seasons to now he only sees 100 and let's say, 28 targets, right? Which is still a good target share, but it drops by 20 or 30, not seeing as much red zone usage, um, having a little bit more, maybe let's just say uh, in- inaccuracy in his passes, not having as much chemistry. This drops him. Now he's still a top 10 wide receiver, but I'm not going to rank him a third, fourth, or fifth overall, like everybody else. No, I'm actually going to take a stance on this. Rank him eighth overall at wide receiver, 23rd in my rankings, and it just means I'm not going to get much or any of him. And then our first tight end overall, Travis Kelsey. If you're drafting in 12-team drafts, well, then he's going to be the first pick of the third round for me based on my rankings. Back-to-back years as the tight end number one, finished first in reception yards, targets, um total everything last year, right ahead of George Kittle, who I actually have ranked 26. So there's a spoiler for you. So these guys, I'm fine taking the beginning of the third round. A lot of people take them in the second round though, so they're just never there. So that's where Matt. These are my top 25 overall rankings. I hope. Hope that you enjoyed this video. I'll kind of uh, unclose most of them right now, top 14. Hope that you enjoyed this video. This is something that I enjoy doing. I'll continue to be putting out these videos. If you could hit me with the like button and the big old subscribe button, if you did enjoy this content, I greatly do appreciate all of that. And thank you so much for your support. If you want the full list of the 150 and then my position by position rankings, you can check that out on the draft guide down below. If You just want to check out my top 25 rankings, which I think I have to update that Excel doc. I haven't updated in a couple of days. I changed some things in my rankings. You can check that out for free down below the top 25, but my overall rankings tiers, all that stuff, the draft strategy guide, all that things are going to be linked down below in the Supreme Draft Guide. Just $10 for a limited time offer. Get it now down below. Follow me on Twitter at salvageudfs and reach out in the comment section below or on Twitter with any questions that you might have. Thank you so much for tuning into this one and I'll see you all in the next one.